Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee, and this is the Autosport Podcast. So this week, a two-part special. We're going to have a look at the British Touring Car Championship and the Toka Support Package as well. There are so many great reasons to be following BTCC this year, so let's get into that. It's back this weekend for the third round at Thruxton. Uh, we're going to talk about what happened in the first couple of rounds and the drivers and teams making their bid for championship runs. Also talking about the new hybrid cars and how the BTCC is adapting to technical changes. Tom Ingram currently leads the field into Thruxton, head of Josh Cook, Ash Sutton and Jake Hill. And who better to have on the podcast today with our main man, Kevin Turner, uh, Autosports Chief Editor. His guests are Marcus Simmons, Stephen Licorice and a name that any touring car fan will know from the TV coverage. Uh, the legend that is David Addison, uh, a fantastic commentator. Uh, nothing he doesn't know about the series. So Kev, it's over to you. So we're a couple of rounds into the British Touring Car Championship in 2022. It's a new era with hybrid power, and we thought it was a good time to check in and see how things are going, who was looking good and who's not. So we've got three special guests with me today. Uh, the first is part of, I must say, ITV's brilliant coverage. Always enjoy tuning into that, uh, and is one of the UK's leading commentators, David Addison. David, uh, welcome to the Autosport Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Uh, have you uh, dried out from the uh, dramatic Brands Hatch weekend. Kevin, thanks. Yeah, uh, just about dried out. Um, we couldn't have had two more opposite days, could we? It was absolutely cracking the flags on Saturday for qualifying, and then we were all wetter than mermaids' flannels on Sunday. So it was quite a good test of the teams, really, to see which cars were really good in the dry, and then which struggled in, to begin with, greasy, damp conditions, and then sort of full wet by the end of the day. It was, it was fascinating to see who was good in what conditions. It certainly did mix things up a bit, which we'll we'll get to in a bit more depth in a moment. But um, my second guest is uh, our BTCC correspondent and rising karting sensation at the moment, uh, Marcus Simmons. Hi, Marcus. How are you? I wouldn't say rising karting sensation. I'd say flatlining mediocre but there you go <laughs> excellent well we're, we, we, we won't go into that just at the moment we'll save that perhaps for a, for another time um, but my third guest um, has arguably the hardest job at a British Town Car meeting because that's covering everything else which is all the uh, Toka supports which I mean there's a lot of drama in that that we'll get to a little bit later on um, but it's also PPA award nominee uh, Stephen Licorice hi Stephen how are you doing of course you were going to mention that Kev <laughs> But yeah, I'm good, thank you. And as you said, covering the the touring car support series, it, there's always a lot going on. And if the weather's as wet and changeable as it was at Brands Hatch at the weekend, it just adds even more variables into the mix. So there's plenty of sort of talking points from the weekend. 
Yes, there, there certainly were. Yeah, I, I enjoyed going over your reports that were appearing in the magazine uh, this week. Um, but yeah, there's quite a lot of uh, drama and things to unpick. But but before we get into that, Marcus, the big thing going into this season was hybrid power, how, uh, how the teams would respond to that. And of course, personally... I love the fact that there's no success ballast anymore. I really, it really used to irritate me when I was covering the championship. So, how's how's the hybrid gone? How's it received? Any niggles? How are teams sort of coping with it? It is a positive thing to to lose that success ballast because um, you start a weekend knowing that three or four of the absolute top liners have got absolutely no hope of doing anything until they get about halfway through Sunday, where by which time they've taken ballast off. Um, the other thing. Um, that you didn't mention that we've that we've lost, which I'm glad about, is the option tyres. That's taken another what I would call fluky variable. Everybody's on the same compound of Goodyear throughout throughout a race weekend, from the beginning of free practice to the to the end of race three. So so we don't have to worry about that kind of rubbish anymore. Um, so uh, and the, the hybrid last weekend, there seemed there did seem to be more problems with it than there had been at the opening round at Donington. I and mean, if you look at the top four BMWs on the grid, um, first, second, third and fourth, at least two of them didn't have hybrid throughout qualifying and one of them didn't have any hybrid at all during qualifying. So so we we still haven't got 100% of the way there, but it, it does seem to be working. What was great was to see Tom Ingram with the highest uh, hybrid penalty, um, i.e. he couldn't use any at all in qualifying and he did actually have hybrid available. It was working on his car, but he couldn't use it because that was that's um, stipulated in the rules as the championship leader, and he qualified sixth in the Hyundai. Uh, whereas last year, when he was carrying upper levels of success ballast, sometimes he couldn't even get in the top twenty. Well, that actually brings me to a question I wanted to ask David, which is. Is it? This is both from a commentary point of view and a spectating point of view. One thing that I, when I was watching, it's sometimes a little bit tricky to follow how many boosts particular drivers have got, whether they're using it or not. It wasn't always clear. Sometimes it was. Obviously, we don't have the problem of working out the success ballast in the tyres, but normally you know that by the time you've started it, you know it. So you, that's something that's yeah. consistent, whereas obviously this is an active thing going through the race. So is that a bit challenging for you to follow when you're commentating or watching the race live? I suppose it is a little bit in as much as at the moment we are hearing stories and Marcus has touched on it that the teams are having problems with with the, the hybrid unit and really the software because um, although this has been tested and trialled for a couple of years Cosworth are still doing updates so quite often even before a session a, a laptop is plugged in and there's a, a, a software patch and sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't so there's always that slight hesitation when you are commentating on it as to right they're not using hybrid is that deliberate or is that because it's not functioning properly you know you're when we're away from the track if you like in our booth we are dependent on the information on the graphics now the TV graphics are connected to TSL timing the TSL timing beacon talks to the hybrid system so there is a bit of a chain of getting that information i do think though that the graphics are pretty good you know you can tell when that little blue lightning bolt comes on which is in real time with the the blue light in the side window to say they are on the hybrid um it tells you the number of laps of hybrid that they've used toker's bulletin works backwards it's published as how many laps you don't have it for first thing we do in the commentary box is convert that to how many laps you do have it for because i think that's a more intelligent way of looking at it the graphic is slightly wrong because um at brands hatch the races were scheduled for 24 laps and uh the graphic said 24 laps of use were available for those who didn't have any reduction but of course you can't use it on the first lap of the race. But that's how it's published. You're quite right. But I mean, that, that's how Toka publishes. And, and for the same purpose, really, there's no... Di- although the penalty goes notionally to the top 10, it's really to the top nine because the 10th driver only has it for um, one... Sorry. Yeah, only has it for one lap um, of penalty, whereas 11th doesn't. And the fact that you can't use it on the first lap effectively means there's no difference between 9th and 10th. So you're right. But yes, um, that's that's the way that the, the, the thing is published. I quite like the ballast. I've got to argue with Wibble on this. I thought the ballast was good. I know it wasn't pure. Uh, it did create some dramatic racing because eventually people lost their rag at being behind that cork in the bottle and had to get their elbows out. That said, I think the quality of racing that we've had thus far is a lot better. Um, I did have a bit of a fear that we were heading for Formula 3 with a 
roof on um, we, we, because people were telling me that, that the, the hybrid power wasn't going to make that much of a difference. Um, now, okay, Donington is a circuit that gives good racing anyway, and Browns, you had the variable of the weather. Maybe the jury is still out. But what we've had so far has been very good racing, as fierce as ever, a lot cleaner. You know, we've we've only had a couple of races with safety cars. Donington, that was because somebody stopped on the track. Browns was was because really of the bad weather causing people to go off. We haven't had a crash fest. Um, and I know that Toka over the last few seasons anyway have been tightening up on driving standards. But that allied to the way drivers are using the hybrid and the way that that is changing the racing, I think is all being very positive. The point I made after Donington in the magazine report was that um, yeah, the racing was really entertaining at Donington for the opening round this year, but it always is exactly um, yeah. on that track. Um, Brands Hatch Indy Circuit, I would argue, is probably one of the worst circuits for pro- processional racing um, in the BTCC, unless you get a fluky safety car near the end. Um, uh, but of course, we had rain this time, mm. um, which um, yeah, through that variable in and, and made the racing more entertaining than I think it might have been. So um, so maybe, yeah, maybe Thruxton next time out might give us a little, little bit more of an answer because because yeah. actually, although um, 95% of motor racing categories tend to have some of their most entertaining racing at Thruxton, BTCC doesn't for some reason. Yeah, so, that's true. Um, so we'll, um, yeah, we'll, maybe, we'll maybe see whether it gets livened up there or perhaps made duller, I don't know, but... but uh, um, we'll probably only find out as the season goes on. I mean, the other element of all of this is that some teams are having fewer issues with the system and also some teams are getting on top of what is required easier than others. And that's kind of what you would expect with any technology. You know, there's a pecking order, a hierarchy of the teams. Uh, and again, one good element of not having the ballast on the option tyre is it's a consistent car over a weekend and therefore you can develop that through a season. And you would expect, would you not, that as the teams become more familiar with it, perhaps the margin widens just a touch between those that have got a, a real handle on the hybrid facility and how to use it best and those that haven't so again you can anticipate perhaps that in the second half of the year Toka will have a look at all of this because what we don't need to see is a runaway winner we want good racing yes and we want the the, the best drivers and teams to be up the front but not pulling off into the distance yeah that's that's a good point that's the the, the line that BTC's actually got very good at treading hasn't it giving lots of people a chance but the cream does tend you look at who the people who finish in the top five in the yeah. championship every year it is it's the people that should be there it's still merit it feels a little bit maybe that it's more meritocratic with this but it is perhaps early to say I just also add to your circuit point I think Alton Park which is after Thruxton, and also that's traditionally as a great track but that also can be a bit Mm, iffy in terms of British touring car racing so I think Thruxton and, and Alton will be quite good tests for this system versus the success ballast but before we drill into some of the competitors a bit more Stephen obviously from a slightly uh, further uh, when you're not running around the support paddocks and stuff what, what's been your impression from uh, from the first couple of rounds from British touring cars anything that sort of stood out to you as being sort of demonstrably better or worse than last year removing the success ballast is a positive and the, the way the hybrid system has been introduced, it, it does add a, a sort of different element in terms of how to manage the races. But I think I think just the, the first lap of Donington Park really sort of set the tone for the for the season. And I think that's it, it shows that there's the potential for some very exciting racing going forward and uh, no quarter being given. Well, actually... I- of course, it was the second the second lap of the race, and therefore the first lap of pushing the button for more power, wasn't it? That's that's what made it uh, a bit of a, mm. a bit of a grand entrance. <laughs> oh, well, we're going we're gonna, in that case. We're going to swap the order of what I was going to do because I was going to talk about the star of Brands Hatch, but let's get on to one of the big storylines that's already developing, and that is we have a, a battle for supremacy within um, the WSR BMW squad. We've got Colin Turkington, I think everyone would agree, has been. That, you know, one of the class acts of the championship in the last well, decade, really. He's just overtaken Andy Rouse in terms of number of wins in the championship, four-time champion. And Jake Hill, who we've also known for some time, uh, is is rather mega. And we know that he likes rear-wheel drive cars because he drives lots of proper race racing cars in historic. So, bit of a battle for supremacy. Uh, I'm going to throw to Marcus first. How How's that going? There was a bit of needle at Donington. They seemed a bit better behaved at Brands. Is that Dick Bennett saying, right, sort yourselves out? Or is it merely a break before the next clash point? 
Uh, I I don't know whether you would just say it was Dick Bennett. So I, I think um, I think I may have caught wind that there was a reasonable length meeting on the Saturday evening in the Brands Hatch paddock when they'd again qualified alongside each other on the front row. Despite it being wet on the Sunday, there was close racing between them, um, particularly in the first race where um, Colin was leading for, I think it was just over half distance, wasn't it? And Jake spent much of that right behind him, but the, the, the competition between the two of them seemed to have uh, been toned down a little bit from, from the opening weekend at Donington. Yeah, it is a really interesting dynamic. Um, I think Jake's bringing plenty to the party there. Uh, it's going to benefit Colin as well. Well, what do you think, David? What do you, how do you see it going? I mean, is it a case of Jake might win some of the some of the battles because he's he's just that kind of throw it all in? You know, he he had he was sideways and brilliant, faster, but also threw it off during the course of the Brands weekend. And do we think Colin will grind it out over the course of the season? At the moment, yes, I still think it's advantage Colin, and and it strikes me, perhaps unfairly, that Jake's now been given, like Marcus rightly says, the best tools for the job that he's ever been given. And he's absolutely determined, I hesitate to say desperate, but absolutely determined to start winning regularly. And that isn't necessarily how you win the British Touring Car Championship, evinced by Colin winning it with one victory back in whichever year it was, was it 17? And Jake has got undeniable pace and he has got undeniable talent and he has got an undeniable race winning car. Donington, he goes toe-to-toe with Turkington, picks up a bit of damage, clips the tyres at the chicane, fails the ride height test. Bang, that's gone. And that was partly through zealotry. Then we have him going off the road at Brands Hatch, throwing away points, which you cannot afford to do in the championship. And it's a little bit odd in a sense, because if, if there is that hint of desperation, if... We haven't really seen that before. It's only kind of come out now, I think, because Jake knows that he's capable of winning pretty much every race that he's been in thus far because he's got the right car, the right team. And he's so determined to prove that. Um, And if he can just temper that enthusiasm with the knowledge that actually third will do here and bank points without having to go for every place, then I think the, the, the... consistency over the season will start to come to him Colin hasn't won four championships by luck so you're going up against somebody that you wouldn't necessarily would put your money on to win every race but you you would perhaps for a championship because he just knows how to put a championship campaign together and that's going to be the interesting bit Jake might come out of the season with more wins but Colin with more points um it, and it, but but having said all of that I'm very very pleased to see Jake in that car and after all the years of graft from him and his dad Simon and I know they've had a, a tough time financially to do it Jake really does deserve the opportunity. And and again, I come back to the point, you can understand, therefore, why he is so utterly determined to prove it on seemingly every corner of every lap at the moment. We've had two rounds now, and undeniably, that BMW has been the fastest car. Um, We know that because at Donington, um, there were were no hybrid penalties in qualifying because there Mm. couldn't be Mm. because it was the first round of the championship and they were 1-2 on the grid. At Brands Hatch, Colin and Jake were 1-2 on the grid as well, and two more BMWs were 3-4. Now, to date, there have been two wins for BMWs, and both of them have been in the reverse grid races, which is a, actually a really poor return. Mm, um, we, can, we can only assume that, uh, in, in the normal motorsport way of things, that the others are going to catch up. Is that going to bite them um, as the season goes on? It might do. Um, I, I would offer you that one of those bad results for Colin was a mechanical problem on the grid, wasn't it? So he got 14th in the second race because the clutch drama off the line, which therefore gave him a bad grid position for race three. Um, that wasn't necessarily down to, to him or incidents with Jake. That was, you could argue, mechanical. But but you point the finger at Jake, you know, there's that exclusion back of the grid. Um, I mean, to get to ninth from the back of the grid in race two at Donington was, was some drive. So that, if you like, does underline the pace of the car. But I don't argue that, yes, they, on, on, on pure pace, should have come away with more wins. Well, that brings us nicely on to the person that did come away with two wins from uh, from the Browns Hatch round, who for me is, uh, and, and to be fair, Marcus has been writing this sometime, one of the absolute stars of British Touring Cars. He's a bit understated, so he perhaps doesn't get the, the recognition that he deserves. I'm going to throw it to Stephen first, because it's pretty obvious who, who I'm going to be talking about. It's uh, Josh Cook, who I thought took two of the best wet weather wins or, or damp-affected wins that I, I've seen in British Touring Cars, impressively coming through in race one and then a defensive driving 
race two. Does it? Does he have any weaknesses in, our, in his armoury? Do you think, Stephen, now to fight for the championship? He's now well. It's set up in that BC team, used to the the car. They're really sort of getting on top of that car. There's no reason why he shouldn't be able to launch a full title bid this year. In the past, he's often had sort of moments of bad luck. Uh, reliability problems, just little things that didn't quite go his way. Uh, but if everything does all align this year, then there's no reason why he can't be right up there at, at the very end of the season. And I think the two moves that he made on on the BMW drivers in race one at Brands Hatch were excellent. They were inch-perfect moves down into uh, Paddock Hill Bend, and they were really a signal of intent of just... Um, what he's capable of I think and it was a really really sort of strong impressive demonstration to to see that what do you think David is he is he ready to I mean obviously he got the same number of wins as as Ash Sutton you know champion Ash Sutton last year is as Stephen says he's well ensconced in the team I can't see an obvious weakness in his game really as to why he shouldn't be fine for the championship in Josh's game no the only question mark would be over the new M Sport engine um, which is, you know, you go back to Donington, the teams were saying it needs more pace. By the end of the weekend, Josh had got a third and now he's got two wins. Um, and of course, the Toker engine occasionally has to have its its ultimate power tweaked a little bit. You know, M Sport are new into it this year. I think they've admitted that maybe they'd underestimated the enormity of the job a little bit. So M Sport are still working on a few things. Um, and BTC historically has had, Stephen's touched on it, the odd little fumble where reliability or a, a sort of in-pit issue has has hobbled Josh. So on, on his side, I don't think there's a, a problem. As long as the other elements to the whole package pull together, um, then absolutely. And can I just link Josh, in a sense, back to Jake Hill? Because if you go back four or five seasons before Josh had his first win, he was a little bit desperate in the way that you see other drivers do, uh, other drivers perform. Once he'd got that first win, it, it was like this enormous pressure was lifted off him and he calmed down. He knew he could do it. He didn't have to keep proving it. And the wind started to flow. Um, and, and there's an example of somebody that a few years ago in the paddock was regarded as a bit of a, oh, yeah, he's quick, but dot, 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 to now very much a class act. And we're talking about many of these drivers, whether it's Jake, whether it's Josh, whether it's Tom Ingram. Um, they've not peaked yet. They're getting better and better and better season on season. And, and Josh Cook is a fine example of somebody who has matured and grown up and got faster and faster and error-free and smoother as the seasons have gone on. Um, and, and that rather underlines how drivers do develop in the championship. You, you can see the way other drivers react to each other as well, that they know, like, you know I know he's friends with Ash as well, but yeah. they, they know how good each, each other can be. Uh, and of course, we go to Thruxton next, which and he's king of Thruxton, Marcus. So another couple of wins there, surely, if he can qualify decently with, uh, with uh, less hybrid power. Because I came back to covering the BTCC in 2020 after uh, after a generation away, uh, I I didn't see the uh, the Josh Cook gray, uh, growing pains to which to which David alludes. So uh, so by the time I came back to the championship, he was he was almost that fully rounded top liner um, that he is that he is now. Um, so it is quite interesting to to hear uh, what his reputation was like a few years ago. Um, and yeah, he, and Kevin's right. He, he's understated. Uh, he, he doesn't. He doesn't feel the need to to go around, um, you know, saying how good he is or anything like that because everybody knows it. And mm. possibly the best thing to come out of Bath since Tears for Fears, songs for the from the Big Chair album. Um, and, and there's the, there's the Marcus moment. We wait, we waited for it, and there it was. And Marcus, on the evidence of what we're seeing Danny Buxton bring to the party and Josh's ability, they're making team dynamics look a bit ordinary at the moment. I know Gordon Shedden had a, a Donington win, but you normally think of, of team dynamics, Halfers Racing with Cataclean, as being the benchmark Honda team. Dynamics' reputation in the championship speaks for itself. But at the moment, if you like the... I know they're both independent teams now, but the, the notional customer team, because they buy the cars from Dynamics, are making Dynamics um, look a bit ordinary. BTC are doing a better job. Maybe we need one or two more weekends to to really uh, get a read on that, because um, I, I thought Shedden had a, Gordon Shedden had a really, really good first weekend at, mm. at Donington. Um, he, he came away from it second in the championship. He, uh, he had a win <clears throat> after a battle with Tom Ingram. 
but also remember Gordon's great at having terrible starts to championships in his first his first season when he won it in 2012 he came away from the brands opening with a fifth of retirement and disqualification uh, so he's, he's quite used to coming from behind in a championship so all he'll end up with from being a bit further back now is a bit more hybrid boost so I, I, I wouldn't um, I wouldn't rule uh, Gordon just he seems to be able to put a championship together after the first two or three rounds seems to be his modus operandi no, I agree with that. It's just, you know, and again, I know it's early in the season, but but you look at the results that BTC have got. They're ahead of, of Dynamics in that um, team's championship. They've got Josh up into second place. Gordon's dropped to sixth. Uh, but yeah, you know, if, if, the, if, if the Hondas don't go well, whichever team uh, runs them at Thruxton, then there's, there's something amiss there. Um, Dan Robotham got the car on pole position last year. We know Josh Cook can easily win races around there. I think it's one more and he gets a corner named after him. It's, it's heading into that well now. <laughs> Well, we've we've managed to get this far in into this podcast without really having a proper chat about the person who's actually leading the championship. We mentioned him a couple of times, but uh, I'm going to go straight back to David here. Tom Ingram, he is, I would say, over the last few years, the best driver in the championship not to have got a title yet. Is that is that fair? I, I think he's absolutely. ready to go, isn't he? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he came very, very close to his speedworks, but as other people were having dramas, so... Swindon Engine had a, a, a drama in the events it's on more than one occasion and there was a ride height failure as well so yeah I mean th- there's one championship that's kind of already got away from both of them team and driver but yeah he has matured hugely and again go back to the conversation we've had about Jake Hill I can remember in his early days with Speedworks when the car was competitive enough to be running at the front um, Tim Harvey used to be very very critical of, of, of Tom for getting stuck in um, when he felt he didn't need to because Tom was running fourth perhaps and felt he had a chance for another place rather than than banking the points and then the wind started to come and the confidence came and he was able to see when to get stuck in and when to just bank the points and now he knows exactly how to play this championship when to push when not to and not only has he come of age, Accelerate as a new team, newish team, has done an outstanding job. You know, they came in and learnt with those um, rather antiquated MGs. They got on top of the Hyundai very quickly. Tom Ingram plus his engineer Spencer Aldridge make another formidable combination. You know, Marcus has listed a few of those good combinations already. Sutton Carosa, for example, being one, but. Um, Spencer Aldridge and Ting is another, absolutely. Uh, and now they've got this new Swindon-badged Hyundai engine. All the components, season by season, they add something else into the mix, and it's all gelling. Um, and I think not only has, has Tom done a very good job, so has Spenny on engineering the car, so has the team, to in a very short space of time be considered now one of the top teams in the championship. And... Yeah, I think Ingram has been around long enough now to appreciate that he doesn't have to be winning every race, but he has to be scoring points. And with the the, the removal of the ballast, which was the car's Achilles heel last year with the weight, and he's got a constant car that can be developed over a season, on the evidence of six races thus far, he is looking very strong indeed. Yeah, I mean, he, he I was actually concerned when he, he left Speedworks and I thought, oh, is this going to work? But actually, it was almost seamless, it was competitive straight away. I think you're right about the team, done a great job. Uh, and actually, of course, he's finished in the top five in all six races so far this year. I love watching him trackside. I think he's one of the, one of the entertaining drivers to Absolutely. watch. He really hangs Absolutely. on to the car. But I, for me, he's in that peak zone now where he can do the that sort of heroic bit, but also, as you say, not go for the lunge, make sure he scores points. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, Marcus, is there is there anything to disagree with? There any any reason why Tom can't can't be? I'd be I would love to see him uh, as champion because he's become such a great character in the championship, strong performer for a long time now. Uh, sort of, you'd like to think that his time must be approaching. Um, can I point out that he's also looking uh, with that slicked back hair look he's he's adopted this year. He's looking a bit early sixties, isn't he? You can imagine him standing next to Graham Hill with a pair of goggles and an open-faced helmet. Um. <laughs> well, we should get, he should, perhaps he should share a historic car with Jake Hill. Perhaps they should go and do some historic races together. That'd be good. You were making a couple of points that made me think you've just made the point that I was going to make. Uh, so, um, so would I disagree? No. Um, the, probably the, the, most, the most encouraging thing regarding Tom is that, um, I mean, we, we've always known that he can win races. And also the other point, um, that I agree with is that he is entertaining to watch. I mean, who would have, who would have thought that you could be entertained by 
watching somebody driving a front-wheel drive car around a racetrack, but <laughs> but he has it. It's properly lively. He has it moving around at the back. It, it's it's really really entertaining, mm. uh, and uh, something to admire as well, actually. Um, so um, I, you're, you're right. He's an absolute top liner. He's he's definitely somebody who deserves to win a championship uh, sooner rather than later. Um, but uh, it's going to be. It's not going to be easy um, because there, is, there are other drivers who've never won the championship before who you would say arguably deserve to win one. Mm. Possibly, possibly because he's been there or there about so long. If, if we were going to have a meritocracy, we might say, yeah, Tom this year, Josh Cook Josh next, next year, year or something like yeah. that. There's one other driver that probably should be in that conversation, which is also a fantastic segue onto my next thing on my list anyway, which uh, now, throwing this to Stephen... Did Dan Kamish give the impression last year while winning the Porsche Crow Cup Championship that he'd really rather be in the BTCC again? Or was he perfectly focused, got the job done and then moved away? What was the impression you got covering him last year when he kind of struggled to win it? He didn't win it in a dominant pace way like he did his first two titles. But to be fair, he did grind out the championship ahead of some some young chargers. Yeah, it, it was, as you said, uh, Kevin, it was a complete opposite to how he won his, his first two Porsche titles. And it was really interesting to see because, I don't know if you remember, but he stood in um, at fairly short notice for the opening round of the British Touring Car Championship at Thruxton at BTC in a, in a Honda. Um, and he was, actually, by that point, he'd announced that he was going to be racing in the Carrera Cup uh, Crowd Cup wasn't racing at Thruxton that weekend, so he was able to, to join touring cars. But he was actually offered that drive for the remainder of the season, but he decided to stick with his earlier sort of promise to Simon Leonard and the Redline Racing team and remained in the Carrera Cup uh, and stuck with that. And it, it proved to be the right decision in a way because the fact that he was able to win that title without um, sort of dominating against some serious... Opposition. Look at the way Harry King blitzed the championship the previous year. And Lorcan Hannafin was another really quick driver. And Kian Dewis, Will Martin. There were so many different contenders at, at the front last year. So for Dan to come away with the title when he clearly didn't always have the fastest car, uh, the team couldn't quite get on top of, of that at all, all times. Uh, it was a, a great achievement and really sort of set him up to then come back into the touring cars this year uh, with his head held high because if he hadn't have won the title it wouldn't have been a good impression and you would be then questioning where does he go from here but because he did claim that Porsche crown uh, he was able to carry that momentum into this season when he was stepping back to, to touring cars which was ultimately his aim. And of course, it's set up this super team now at Motorbase, which is, you know, Ashton has been the star of the last few years, switching from rear-wheel drive to front-wheel drive. I mean, if he was to win a title in a front-wheel drive car, I mean, that puts him very high on the list of British touring car drivers of all time, having done all his winning so far in, in rear-wheel drive kit. And for me, that, that dynamic is interesting for a start. But the most ominous thing about the points uh, I put to you, David, is that Ash Sutton hasn't really done anything yet, it feels like, and yet he's third in the championship. So that's with new team getting used to front-wheel drive. They've not quite had it hooked up in all the races, and yet somehow he's third in the points. So that's that's a bit ominous for when he goes on one of his winning streaks soon, surely. Yeah, it is. He's, he's had a second um, out of Donington where... People said, oh, you know, they've had a bad weekend. Hang on a minute. Second and a fourth and a sixth. That's not too shabby. Um, the team was saying that it was Ash learning about front wheel drive again because he hadn't raced those since the MG days. He was saying, no, it's more the fact that we need to work on the setup. We're not quite right. Um, and it does seem at the moment as though it's a little bit difficult to to totally nail the setup on that car. We've talked about how spectacular Tom Ingram is to watch. Well, so are both. Ash and Dan Camish, largely because the cars aren't cooperating in the same way. They're not as, as pliant a car as they would like it to be. Um, but there's a really good brains trust at, at, at Motorbase these days. I mean, in a sense, it's kind of Osborne, Carosa, Sutton racing. It's not the Motorbase of old. It's got the name. It's got some of the people. But I think it's moved a, a big step forward now with Pete Osborne's financial commitment to it. Um, and they will get on top of those issues, that's for sure. And if, you know, like you say, if Ash is where he is in the championship already, despite the fact the car isn't um, the, the, the most user-friendly, then, yeah, um, it, it's only going to get better and he is going to be a threat. And 
again, that's part of the, the joy of the championship because over 10 weekends, over 30 races with every point counting, you know, there is a real narrative through the season of people whose fortunes ebb and flow and, and those Fords are going to win races, that's for sure. Uh, and Marcus, is is it fair to say that because uh, they've got Sutton and Camish there, you know, as, as David alludes to, the, the the focus has been a bit hot and cold. It's often been a race winner, but it's rarely looked like a championship contender. Good, so, very good, yes. so is the uh, so is this the is it a test for the team actually more than the drivers this year? If they can't fight for the championship with those two on board, will they ever sort of thing? Well, that that's a that's a. Good question, isn't it? I'd say, yeah. If you if you well, if you can't at least be properly in the hunt for the championship at the final round with those drivers, with those engineers, then it's probably time to. Uh, is there a? There's probably a, a new generation of Ford Focus, isn't there? <laughs> but um, um, yeah, the, <clears throat> what is interesting is, yeah, you you made the made the comment that. Ash is third in the championship. It was a pretty reasonable performance at Donington. He was there or thereabouts. They suffered a little bit with um, with tyre tyre wear during the races and, and perhaps faded a bit. So he and Tony, as he said, are, are going off on adventures, set up adventures, and and uh, and Dan with his okay, he's got Carrera Cup title winning experience, but his touring car experience is front wheel drive. So. So he's a bit more conventional, and and he said uh, that after their terrible Saturday, they sort of came back a bit towards what Dan had had. Um, but yeah, so they, what, what is interesting is that they're coming with completely a completely fresh view on things. Uh, they will find things that people who are ingrained in front wheel drive won't. Uh, but at Brands Hatch. It's probably fair to say they didn't. But you look at the fact that Camish had a third and a second to add to Ash's fourth. Those aren't appalling results. You know, a lot of teams, and indeed the other half of Motorbase, the Jackson and Osborne half of the garage, they give high teeth for results like that. They, they were they were very good results, and and that's uh, you know that's a, a legacy of someone who um, you know him and James Mundy, his engineer. Really, you'd say that's his first proper weekend race weekend with the yeah, team because um, because of what happened at Donington. It's a perfect scenario as well, isn't it? If you've got one very good driver doing a load of adventurous setups and trying to find something, the other one who will do the standard frontward drive stuff, you've always got the baseline to go back to. So that that should work really well well for them. So I'm sure that we'll see them winning more races or winning races um, probably not in the too distant future but I want to move on to a person I find one of the most frustrating drivers in the championship lovely guy very quick and then falls off at crucial moments Rory Butcher watching the first race on he did it was brilliant take the gamble on slicks comes through that's exactly what you want to see doing all the moves you're following on the timing screens how far is he going to get last lap oh and he's fallen off again and he, that seems to happen quite a lot uh, Stephen, from from afar, I would say Rory, great to watch, but still, like David was saying about the sort of desperation coming in, he still feels like he's a little bit desperate at times. Yeah, well, he's, he's not quite as far along that journey that we've been talking about with with Josh Cook and Tom Ingram uh, previously, and he's he's not had as much time in a, a sort of top front running car as as those guys. When you think back to, we've mentioned them a few times, but some of his performances in the old MGs when they really, really were quite old cars were incredible to, to get those sort of results out of them. And it's it's sort of adjusting that approach when you have got the, the front-running car that you need. But it, it was surprise. I personally was a little surprised that he was, with the exception of Will Powell, the only one to, to gamble on the on the tyre the alternative tyre choice in, in race one at, at Brands. And it's so, so nearly worked. If, if he hadn't gone off, if the race had been a couple of laps longer, I think quite possibly would have won and even looked the hero. Um, but it didn't. It didn't quite happen. And when there's so many top drivers in the championship, if you're to fight at the front, you need those little things to go in your your favour. And you, you can't afford those those little errors that cost vital points here and there and 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 you just don't know how costly moments like that are going to be so he's Rory's right up there in the mix but he's just not quite there yet but he's not far from what do you think David do you think it's fair or do you think it's a bit harsh to say he's a great driver to have on the grid but he's not yet ready to win the championship that's kind of my sort of one liner on him really is that is that a bit harsh 
I'm not really sure we've we've seen the best out of him yet. I agree with 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 Stephen in terms that you know he's he's not had a a, a proper crack at it yet because he he did the occasional race in those NGs or in in, in guest rides for Motorbase. Um, then we had a Motorbase for a full season, but it was a different kind of Motorbase from what we we enjoy now. And then he went to Speedworks and he kind of inherited the the, the Tom Ingram car. Tom likes it like this he won with it, get in and drive. And it was after about half a season that eventually it was being engineered to Rory's liking and he'd had some accidents on the way that dented his confidence. So this probably is the first season that we can really start to assess just how good, just how consistent he is. Um, Brands in terms of that tyre gamble, well, coming from Knock Hill, he probably thought it was the height of summer anyway. So that didn't phase him particularly. <laughs> it's worth going on slicks. Um, and he did make progress. You know, all right, it, it, Stephen's absolutely right. It could have done with being sort of 15 minutes later in the day with the road a bit drier. Um, but he started ninth and he finished seventh. Yes, he had that wobble, Kev, as you said, late race and, and lost a couple of places. But it, it was still a positive gamble because he did benefit from that. Um, bear in mind as well that that Toyota is running the new M Sport engine. So whatever they've learned in the past with the old Toka unit, throw away and start again. And M Sport, a bit like we touched on Cosworth, they are also appreciating just how tough a, a paddock that is to be involved in and, and, and developing quickly. Um, and also from an aero point of view, that Corolla is a very boxy car. You know, one of the reasons that BMW were really pleased to get away from the one series to the three was because of the shape at exactly the time that Toyota said to Speedworks, yes, we'll come and support you as a manufacturer as long as you run the Corolla. Oh, great. So the Avensis that was the perfect aero shape um, had to be dispensed with and, and, and the Corolla came in. So there's always that aero element to it as well that might hurt them a little bit at Thruxton, but you know we'll see because Tom Ingram um, has that record there in the Corolla. But... Um, I think I think Rory is 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 still developing. Yes, um, is he ready to win a championship? Again, to go back to Marcus's hierarchy, he's probably sort of you know round about the Jake Hill area. But you'd you'd probably put Tom Ingram and, and and Josh Cook ahead of him. But you know he's he's a race winner, and by God, he's brave. You know, witness the accident he had at Silverstone a year or two ago, and and he bounces back from that. Um, he 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 doesn't lack speed and he doesn't lack determination and an ability to get stuck in so you stick him in a brawl um uh, on track and i'll definitely back him all the way we're uh, we're putting him behind tom, tom ingram and josh cook in that queue of people who've never won the btcc who should um but um it's easy to remember it's easy to forget that he he hasn't had the team stability of, in the sense of staying at the team for season after season that either of those two drivers have had. There's always been he's always been on the move from one team to another, or or changing one car for another, or this year changing one engine for another. I really enjoy watching Rory drive for completely different reasons to uh, enjoying watching Tom Ingram drive. You 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 watched them out on the track, and you would never in a million in a million years say Rory Butcher is the most spectacular or entertaining to watch because he's got this very very classic smooth style um it's like if you were to put them in an early 80s f1 context ingram is like watching Villeneuve if he was in a front wheel drive touring car and and rory butcher is like watching prost would be in a front wheel drive touring car um but the but the real um paradoxical thing is that uh rory is one of the smoothest drivers out there but makes has some of the biggest accidents <laughs> tiny mistakes with enormous consequences like uh you know like the the error okay it wasn't enormous consequences in the in a rolling a ford focus to destruction at silverstone kind of way but but throwing away a, a, a really good result on the last corner at, at brands hatch and finishing seventh or wherever it was is is not what a uh, someone who's going to be fighting for a championship this year should be doing, uh, maybe in a, a couple of years' time. Um, but um, I think he's a real talent. Um, I really think he deserves to to get a shot at it. And um, the other thing that we we didn't mention is that who with that slick tyre gamble, who would have thought that a damp race on the Brands Hatch Indy circuit, in fact, two damp races on the Brands Hatch Indy circuit, would go entirely safety car free. If a safety car had come out at half distance or, or later, he would have been absolutely away. Yeah, that backs well, up David's well, point about... 
Can, can I just wag my finger at that thought? Because when Tom yes, Ingram yes, tried for, that at For the listeners, David is wagging his finger. Uh, oh, it's a finger <laughs> wag. When, when Tom Ingram tried that, we were a couple of years ago at Croft, um, the safety car came out and, and Tim Harvey and I said, oh, right, that's going to play right into his hands now because it's going to elongate the race and make the road drier. The flip side of that coin was that while they were under the safety car, tyre temperatures and pressures dropped and he effectively wasted a couple of laps on the restart, getting them back up again. So maybe the safety car wouldn't necessarily have been the answer to his prayers after all. Oh, all right. Well, how unlucky that he had a, didn't have a safety car within a very, very narrow prescribed window in the middle of the road. What were the chances of that? But, but to be fair, he has just had one of the great accolades and been compared to Alain Prost as a, as a British touring car driver. So I think that's a, that's a pretty good outcome for him at this stage. But there's one... <clears throat> There's one driver uh, actually doesn't go quite as far back as the uh, early 1980s, but who I think we should we should talk about before moving on to some of the support races, and that is on his farewell season, he says, uh, Jason Plato, uh, obviously two-time champion, should probably have been four, five, six-time champion, depending on well, depending on his views on various campaigns that he's had in his career. Um, he talked a good game before the start of the season. He's been a bit unfortunate the last uh, last few years for various reasons. But at the moment, it looks quite... The, the getting to the 100 wins, he needs three more wins to get to the 100 wins, Marcus. That that still looks quite a long way away. How How is Jason getting on with, with BTC? You have to say it's quite early days. Let's see. Um, so... Yeah, he's he's always admired that Honda as a car, even if it's been the sworn enemy who've been driving it or running it. Um, and uh, he, for the opening round at Donington, actually, I thought he looked pretty good. Um, he was he was reasonably competitive in qualifying, and he knows Josh is really good. He was Josh's mentor mm. like, back in the old KX Academy days, and Josh is a much better driver than he was then, and and all-round package and and um yeah jason's um big enough and clever enough to know that he can learn off him and hopefully the old the old fox can keep can teach the young whippersnapper a couple of tricks as well so um yeah i, I wouldn't i definitely wouldn't rule it out could, could be quite fun uh, if maybe, it... yeah maybe the hundred wins is a bit of a stretch but um i wouldn't rule out 98 well, it, let, what, let's see. What would he do if he's on ninety nine at the end of the year? Is it, it's like, well, should I do another year or should I go and do my Le Mans dream? Be uh, be an interesting one. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you did you did say final season. What we what we should always point out is that he's saying final year in the BTCC, isn't he? He's he's not talking about retiring um, at the end of this. So, um, who knows what the future holds? But it will be. Um, Probably races that are longer than 25 minutes. <laughs> you, you can see him getting a win, I think, on a reverse grid race at the moment, but not necessarily on from a qualifying session because the, the, the pace hasn't been there. Um, and I think also at the moment, out of the combination, if you like, the team are benefiting from having Jason there more than Jason's benefiting from it. And I don't mean that in any way other than he brings a wealth of experience of front-wheel drive, of the championship, of processes, of all sorts of little tricks and nuances that only he has built up because of his longevity in the championship. And you take an already good team and you bring his experience of all of those areas to it, and that's going to help BTC. So I think they are benefiting hugely from having him involved. The sadness is at the moment that that Jason's results aren't reflecting that partnership, if you like. So he's the Kimi Raikkonen the re- of recent years. He's the Kimi Raikkonen. Lots of experience, not quite getting the results at uh, uh, Alpha. Can you uh, imagine? Can you imagine Jason being as reluctant to talk as Kimi? No, that in that, your that, dreams. The, 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 the analogy outside of the car falls down quite spectacularly <laughs> at that point. That is fair to say. Um, we should obviously we could talk about every team and every every driver, but that would that would take all day. But is there anyone that you think's worthy of mention that hasn't? Uh, uh, hasn't hasn't had one yet. Yes, and I would say George Gamble and indeed Sicily Motorsport because George got a podium on his first weekend. The Sicily BMWs, with with one exception, um, where Adam Morgan didn't start the second race because a bolt had come out of somewhere and the um, uh, transmission was off centre and it wouldn't pull away when a, a gear was engaged. Those Sicily cars have looked much much stronger, much more competitive than they did last year, and. 
for George Gamble to arrive in the way that he did at Donington, um, having done precious little racing, really, for a couple of three seasons, and to have no real touring car background, I think he has done an outstanding job. Um, He's had a sixth and a third and a seventh as his best three results. That podium in his first weekend, I think, was really impressive. Sicily, as a team, is impressed, and he's fitting in really well. He's not swaggering around the paddock saying, look at me, aren't I a great rookie? He's learning, and he's developing, and I think as long as Sicily stay on top of the cars, and they are doing at the moment with with Steve Farrell heading the, the engineering brains trust, I think both George and Adam Morgan are in for a good season. We've often seen drivers who've done well in other categories, move into the BTCC and real struggle, really struggle to find their feet. Whereas that's not been the case with George. To be on the pace, get a podium at the opening event, that's it's quite rare to see that. And I think that was taken quite a few people by surprise. He was perhaps a bit of a more left field choice potentially for that drive, but he's more than justifying um, mm. his selection for it now. And it's, it's just really good story to to have him on the grid and doing well. The other good story, I think, of the year has been Bobby Thompson because the team hard Cooper, again, has has not necessarily been talked about in glowing terms. You know, team hard is a bit of an underdog team. Um, Bobby had to have a season out really through through a lack of funding after that big Croft accident he had in the Audi. Um, he went well at Donington and to get a third, I know it was a reverse grid race, but the car was still good on pace. And he's been the, the real flag bearer for the, the team hard Cupra squad this year and I think for him to get that maiden overall podium at his home circuit as well was another feel good story of the of the season so far yeah I think that's a that's a good, a good point and a good place to finish on our British touring car half of uh, this podcast alright Kev thank you so much for bringing us part one part one of our two part special uh, you haven't got to wait long for that it's going to be in 24 hours time maybe in your feed already if you're not listening to this on the day that it comes out uh, as uh, Stephen Kev and David look at the Toka support package and some of the amazing series happening uh, that you might not know how good the racing is that you can be following and enjoy a bit of motorsport that's going to be on the channel tomorrow thanks for listening we'll see you then mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing chumba casino this year i was only playing for fun so winning this was a dream come true chumba casino is america's number one social casino experience it's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from you too could win life-changing amounts of cash be like mary log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a whirl that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary void or prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.